and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am Catherine McPhail. I am your host. I am an architect working in eastern Massachusetts, and my specialty is additions and renovations to existing homes. I started this podcast to serve as a library of information for my clients so that they could learn a little bit more from the experts on various elements that go into a home renovation. The second season, I have been interviewing homeowners who have been restoring their houses and just meeting a lot of people on Instagram and TikTok who have interesting stories to tell about their houses. So this episode is one of those episodes. And my guest this week is Amy Hevlin, who owns a fabulous Victorian in historic Franklin, Indiana with her husband, Doug. And by day, she's a high school band director. And then the rest of the time she spends either working on her home or helping out at Franklin Heritage, um, restoring historic light fixtures. And I first ran into Amy on Instagram where she is Amy Lee underscore 1902 Victorian. I'll link to that in the show notes. And then I moved on to enjoy her blog at vivaciousvictorian.com. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yay. About your house. It is so beautiful. Tell me all about it. How did you, did you always want a Victorian? How'd you happen to find um, it? I didn't really start falling in love with old houses until um, I was student teaching actually um, years ago. Um, I was student taught in um, the fall of 2000 in New Philadelphia, Ohio, which is this very quaint little town in the middle of Ohio. And um, there, the high school was actually a very old high school, um, very historic building. And around it were just all these old buildings. And I think that's where I first started to fall in love. I didn't grow up in an old house. I didn't know people who lived in old houses. Um, And I just thought that they were really, really beautiful. So we sort of fell in love. And then my husband and I got married and I taught in that school district um, for a couple of years. And, um, and we liked old houses and we joke all the time that each house has progressively gotten worse. Like the house that we <laughs> bought in New Philadelphia was almost in perfect condition. It had a carpet in the kitchen. That's literally the only thing we changed because that was terrible. Yeah. Um, but, and then when we moved to Indiana, we looked for an old house and, um, we, um, we've had three houses since we moved to Indiana. This is our third and, um, and each house has been just a little bit worse as far as what shape it's in, but each house has also been, um, way more interesting, architecturally interesting. So, um, mm. we've certainly settled on the right one. Yeah. That's kind of the way I, I guess you feel like, well, that wasn't so bad. I can take on a little more than a little more. And it just, right. yeah, it. each house has taught us something about how to renovate and what we want to do and what we like. And so then by the time we got here, we looked at it and it was, you know, the roof had failed and there was massive damage on the inside because of that roof failing. So there's, you know, we always say it was raining on the inside when we bought it and we looked around and we thought, well, we can do this. Like, this is fine. And, you know, it, when we first were looking out at houses, there's no way, but then we thought, well, now with everything that we've learned at all of the other houses, we know that if we can just make it watertight, then we can fix all the rest of it. Yeah, that's so true. Someone recently on the podcast was saying that was the first thing, just stabilize it so the water's not coming in, and then you have time to do the rest, and it's not 
as dire as it seems. I mean, when exactly. it's raining on the inside, that is that is a little discouraging. <laughs> but I'm glad that you I'm glad that you you found it. So was it you have were you looking for another house? Did you happen upon it and you decided you had to buy it? Well, we live in um, Franklin, Indiana, which is the quaintest of quaint towns um, just south of Indianapolis. And uh, we love this community. There's um, a lot of um, organizations and, and, and community building, and it's a place where people really like to invest in the buildings and the properties. And, you know, there's festivals and just there's just lots of it's just a very positive community. And um, when I got my current teaching job, we moved here and we lived in a folk Victorian about three blocks away. And, um, and we loved that house. We absolutely loved that house. It wasn't exactly perfect for us, um, but we absolutely loved it. So we, after living there for um, several years, we got into the conversation of, are we going to turn this house into the perfect house or are we going to look for the perfect house? Because we knew we wanted to stay in the, in the city that we're in. Um, so we were in the middle of really having that conversation and sort of making some lists about what, what would be the perfect house for us. The list was ridiculous. Like I put, um, I want a turret and a balcony. Like we <laughs> literally put the most ridiculous things on the list. And um, a couple months after that, um, the house that we're in, the Victorian, came on the market and um, it had been, we'd walked by it before, um, you know, just in doing walks of the neighborhood. And um, and it was always just a really beautiful, like just grand house. And it came on the market and it was ridiculously cheap. And we thought, well, there, there's something wrong with it. There's clearly something wrong with it because there's right. no reason that this house should be this cheap. And Doug was hesitant to go look at it. Um, and then it dropped in price even more while we were on vacation and we were driving home from vacation. And I said, I think we need to go look at this house. And so he agreed. So we called the realtor. And by the time we were back from vacation, we had made this list of here's what we have to do to sell our house. And, <laughs> um, that, so that was sort of the, the, the jump into this. So we came to look at it. We saw the staircase and we completely fell in love with it. Oh, I know that room with that staircase is unbelievable. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And um, I am forever grateful to the listing agent when the house was in foreclosure because they hired the worst photographer on the planet because <laughs> no one took a picture of that staircase. Like you there, if you looked at the realtor photos, you would never have any idea that there was any woodwork in this house at all. Mm. And so we got there before the realtor did. And I looked in the window and I just gasped and was like, <gasps> and Doug just thought, okay, I guess we're buying it. And um, <laughs> yep. so we, and the only thing that on our list of wishes for a house, the only thing that this didn't have was a garage or a workshop or an outbuilding. We're the only house on the street that doesn't have um, any of that. We've put a little shed in the background, but we decided that, you know, the basement was big enough for him to do a workshop down there and the house was good enough that we could deal with shoveling snow and not having a garage. Yeah. And you know, what's amazing is that I was just talking to someone who had made a list also of the things that she wanted in the house and then found the house. And I made a list for the house, stuff that I wanted in my house and I found the house. I think lists really, really do it. I mean, I think you're just putting your intention out there into the universe. And then the universe is like, oh, how, which one? Oh, this one, this one's good for you. You know what I mean? And even if like, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that this house wasn't exactly perfect because the kitchen wasn't, but if you have a list of, 
here's what I want. And you can walk through the house and say, you know, the kitchen isn't exactly what's on my list, but it's got the room to do it. Then you can start to make the plans to, is there a way that I can make the house exactly what I want? So um, the list, I think, can help you get there, even if it's the house isn't perfect. That's true. I guess I'm a little woo-woo when thinking the list actually helps you find, helps the house find you. Oh, I I I thousand percent agree with you. Yes. Uh, So how long ago was this? This was in, um, we bought the house in the fall of 2012. Okay. So enough time to have done a lot of work on the house. Yes. Um, There are 22 rooms in the house. What? And, it doesn't seem that big on the on the photos. Oh, it's giant. Um, because there's a third floor, and the third I mean, the third floor alone, like we don't even we don't call it an attic because it's it's a walk up and it's nine foot ceilings on the third floor. So the third floor alone has six rooms in it. Um, so it is it is a massive house, and it, right now it feels like it's not too big for us because we turn half of it into construction zones while we're working on rooms. We're very good at what we do, but we're very, very slow because we're doing all the work ourselves. Hmm. So um, we sort of compartmentalize the house. I think once it's done, it's going to feel giant, but we probably won't be done until we're like retirement age. So we probably <laughs> won't even walk to the third floor then anyway. I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah, so we've we've completed eight rooms, I think, out of 22. So the 22 rooms, I'm imagining that there are some interesting specialty type rooms like, do you have a ballroom or do you have uh, any other kind of rooms like that? We do not have a ballroom. Um, the third, the, and there's lots of speculation about the third floor because often the ballrooms and Victoriums would have been in the, the third floor. Mm. Um, the third floor was renovated sometime in the 1990s um, to get it to its current configuration. Like when you come, I'm actually on the third floor right now. And so I'm looking around the room like I'm you know, trying to will the, the thought of the third floor over to the podcast. Um, but it it really looks like it was renovated in the 90s. It kind of feels like a college dormitory up here. Um, it's just very separate rooms and drywall and no doors on closets. And um, it's very strange. So what we, what we don't know is if at some point in time, this was a big open ballroom space, because mm-hmm. that would be common in Victorian times. We have um, on the first floor, there are two parlors, one of which we're calling the library. So we have an entrance hall and we have a parlor and then we have a library, which we're going to use as our TV room. We're almost done with that room. And then um, and then there's also a study. So there's just a lot of there are a lot of separate rooms for separate things. Um, But unfortunately, we don't have any blueprints or know exactly what the original functions of those spaces were. We can only guess by looking at blueprints and floor plans from other Victorians. Right. Right. Well, I know. I mean, from the photo of your entrance hall, entrance hall itself is a full room. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Have there been any big moments or surprises that you've had during the renovation? Um, Nothing huge. When... um, Well, actually, now that I said that, I think I'm lying. We knew that the house had been made into apartments during World War II. Hmm. That was a very common thing around here. And there's a a big army base nearby. And so a lot of the larger houses were broken into apartments um, during the the training of soldiers for World War II. So we knew that the house had been apartments. We did not really know what the configuration was or how it was laid out. And then when we were working on um, a bedroom on the second floor, we were taking down wallpaper 
And when we took down the wallpaper, we found a, a note on the, on the door or on the wall that said um, there was an archway here. The floor, the uh, stairwell had been boarded over to make a room. And um, this was the archway to get into that room. And so the previous owners from the 1980s who turned it back into single family, they left some instructions on the wall of here's what the floor plan used to be like. And um, eventually after posting about that on my blog, the previous owners found us and said, we have pictures, we can bring them by. So they brought pictures by of the house and you can see where that beautiful staircase in the entrance hall had been basically chainsawed across in order to lay down a floor so that the the upper level of the staircase was a room for the second floor apartment. I mean, it was unbelievable that they had done that. But in some of the other houses in our neighborhood, the staircases were taken completely out. So yeah. I'd rather a chainsaw staircase than no staircase at all. So at least it was able to be reconstructed and built, which they did that in the 1980s. So I think that's probably the biggest surprise that we found. Now the stair has been restored to its original. Yes. Original. Yes. Yes. Wow. Do you know the history of the house? I mean, who originally had it built? Was it? To our knowledge, um, from what we've been able to figure out, um, it was built by um, a farmer whose name was, his last name was Murray. And um, he was a cattle farmer. And then he built this as his summer home, like not summer home, as his city home. So he had a farm, but then they also had this house in the city. Um, And when I was looking up information about the Murrays, at the uh, local historical society because they have some documentation. Um, We knew um, Murray's name and we knew his wife's name. And so when we looked up, her name was Lucy Murray. And so when we were looking up things about Lucy Murray, um, the the ladies at the historical society said, um, don't be surprised. You're probably not going to find a lot of information about her because she was a woman. And, you know, they didn't keep a lot of records unless you were very prominent. Well, her obituary when she died of consumption, which we assume happened inside the house, um, was on the front page of the local newspaper. So they were apparently fairly influential. Hmm. Um, And the Murrays owned the house until about um, the 19, we think the house was built in 1902. And we think that after her death, um, it was bought by um, the Bryant family. And the Bryant family uh, was very influential in the town. Um, Mr. Bryant was a, he was an architect and a builder. And so there's a lot of prominent houses and buildings in Indiana that have his stamp on them. And um, he was also a um, a lumber baron. And there's a building down the street that was his lumber business. And so um, we often wonder if some of the lumber and, and woodwork in the house came after 1902 because of that, or if he was attracted to the house because of that. So he ended up becoming the mayor of um, Franklin as well and was prominent in the um, Indiana Democratic Party. And um, so there's lots of, his grandson came and talked to us and told us that there's a, they often had parties in the house and um, there, like the Indiana governor came to visit. And so our library was sort of like the political den in the 1930s. Wow. Okay. So that guy was an architect and a lumber baron and yes. the mayor of the town. Yes. 
Yes, very eclectic. And we also just got a, the um, local historical society just gave us a ledger where he and his wife actually started a general store in town. It was like a paint, a paint and drug store because that's a fun combination. So, (laughs) so yeah, they, they were pretty influential. Hmm. That's amazing. So they were 1930s. Yes. And they lived there, I guess, until World War II when they then made it into apartments. Yes, but that's where it gets a little fishy and a little bit weird because we know some of the Bryants still lived here. So we don't know if they, like, we know that some of the Bryants lived here until the uh, until the 1960s, at least. So we know that they at least occupied one of the apartments. So um, the downstairs was one apartment and then the second floor was another two apartments. So we know that at least some of the family was in there for some of that. And then it really fell into disrepair in the um, 1960s and 70s. Like the porch was taken off the house. Um, and from everything we've been told, this, the street and the house were really went into some, some bad hands. And there was a lot of like police activity and, um, you know, just lots of things that, that sometimes happen if areas aren't taken care of. And then in the 80s, um, a lot of families came in and sort of started to revitalize. And that's when our local historical society was founded, which sort of took some of that into it's very crazy. All of it's very crazy. Yeah. Well, I've had people show up at our house and say, I broke into this house when I was little, (laughs) when I was younger. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. I love it when people just come up to the house and tell you their personal history with the house, though. I mean, it kind of just puts these layers into the whole experience of the building. I don't know. I just... One of my, um, one of my flute players who graduated, I'm a high school band director and one of my um, flute players who graduated last year and um, her younger brother's uh, junior in my band, their grandparents, um, they lived in one of the apartments in my house. And it was the first place that when they got married, this was, she said, this was the only place that they could afford. And so this was where they lived and where they had their first child. And she explained to me like which apartment it was and what it looked like. She doesn't have any pictures of it, but it's it's really fun to kind of have those connections and to see how much the the house means to the people in the town. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any advice for people who love old houses and think they would like to adopt one for themselves and and bring it back to life? Um, yeah, I will, I have so much advice. I think that number one, it's okay to be overwhelmed but always believe that you can get through it. Um, the old house community is incredible. Everyone is so supportive of each other and everyone has seen some seriously crazy stuff. So pretty much anything that you get into, someone else has seen at some point in time. Mm. Um, so especially today when there are, there's Facebook groups and there's Instagram groups. And there are so many places where you can go and say, I don't know what this is. Can someone help me? And people can identify furniture and woodwork and holes in walls and things like that. Yeah. Um, Also talking to your local historical society is really, really great because not only will they sometimes be able to fill in some of the gaps as to what you might be missing in your house, as far as, um, you know, why is this here or how did this come to be? But they also are the people that know the craftsmen in town. Like if you want to get windows restored and you want to make sure that someone is respectful of old houses and knows how to do those things right, they're going to have names of people that can really help you do that. 
Um, oftentimes those historical societies do workshops and things to, to help you with learning how to do plaster repair, learning how to do electrical or learning how to do some things that are maybe not that are outside your wheelhouse, but there's something that you could tackle as a DIYer. Um, and then also just knowing when you need to hire somebody, you know, we do almost all the work ourselves, but we're also smart enough to know this project maybe might be outside what we can do. So we're going to make sure we get somebody in to help us. And so bringing in, being able to bring people in on your team, don't try to go it alone. You know, there are people out there that can help you and that can help walk you through it and that are excited to do it because they love old houses too. Yeah. I think the people who love old houses really love old houses and they do want yes. to help people. So I have found that also in the whole Instagram community that you've kind of created, uh, it seems like you've kind of created around this 52 weeks of home. Is that, yes, get that right? Yes. I love that because it's on a theme so I can see like, oh, that woodworks that, you know, the week that you had woodwork, for example, it was right. just great just to be able to look at one photo after another of this beautiful woodwork. I don't know. I just love woodwork. So, right. No, I, there's, there are certainly weeks on that, that I get really, I get excited about woodwork week. I get excited about hardware week. I get excited about yeah. bathroom week. Oh yeah. Um, well, it's all it's, exciting is the thing. Right. It's all exciting. And um, I love seeing different houses in different parts of the country. And we do have some people outside of the United States as well. Um, and it's so great to see different styles. And sometimes people will post things. And uh, like the only thing that, that gets me a little bit cranky is um, sometimes people will post things and say, well, I feel like I shouldn't post this because it's not as nice as other people's. Right. And those are some of the houses that I get the most excited about. Like I like seeing um, some some of the, the, the simpler rooms or people that are in the middle of construction and their whole house is kind of destroyed. Like that progress of here's of the of the dream of here's what I want it to be, but I'm not there yet is so exciting to me. And sometimes people aren't quite ready to share that part of it, but I love when they do because it just it, it makes it so much more authentic, and we all just kind of join around those things. Yeah, well, we can all relate to that our houses not being where we want them to be yet because <laughs> sure. honestly they're never finished. And I feel like maybe once, well, I don't, I wouldn't know because I've never actually finished a house and then lived in it. Uh, this is only right. my second house actually, but it's not finished yet. And I've been here 12 years and I'll finish it right before I sell it because that's the way that's going <laughs> right. to go. And then I'll go find another house to, to rescue. I just feel like these houses have a life of their own, really, especially ones like yours that were these beautiful, ornate, grand houses. They're beautiful. All this great stuff is happening in them. And then something happens and they're kind of in their dark period, you know, where they might have right. a bunch of apartments in them or it's like a crime ridden house or whatever. And then and then eventually it's just water coming in this roof. And maybe right. maybe the, the house has just lost any hope of getting back to its former glory. And then someone comes and fixes it. Right. Oh, and no, I, I love that. that. And I love that. And um, and I, I do think that there are some great reuses of houses. Like you know, one thing in the old house community is sometimes people get, um, you know, there are definitely people who are purists and they want the house to look exactly the way that it's looked um, since it, since it began. I'm not a total purist. I want my house to feel, I don't want it to feel like a museum, I want it to feel like um, it's sort of a modern take on that Victorian, um, but I try to be very respectful of all of the um, of all of the things that were there. But I also understand that sometimes, you know, these giant houses are not sustainable for for people, 
And so I would rather have a house made into apartments that are maybe historically sympathetic if that means that the house can continue and not fall into total despair because someone can't live there. I think that it's not, it's just like everything else in life. It's not black and white. I think Mm -hmm. that there are lots of areas of gray with old houses that sometimes you have to make choices in order to keep the building in existence. And that just happens. Right. I mean, there are obviously a lot of building technologies that we have now that are more, we have, you know, insulation where there didn't used to be any insulation. There's um, window issues and people just, just deciding to tear out their windows and replace them with new windows really gets me and um me too yes i've uh yeah i think window restoration is so it's apparently a a easy thing to do by yourself yes what i have heard and and actually i I interviewed somebody about window restoration and the way she started her whole company was that she wanted to restore the windows in her old house so she learned how to do it and then now she does that for a living but Right. Those those old the the kind of wavy glass in the windows, there's just really nothing like that. I mean for oh, yeah. And also I the totally old growth agree. wood and they're all, you know, solid, good quality wood windows. I mean right. those are the eyes of the house, as they always say, and, and seeing those just with vinyl in them kind of makes right. me feel sad. But right. Anyway. Well, and I think so much of that and as a teacher, I am so big on education. Like I think that there's a lot of People just not understanding, like I can understand why someone would say this is old, therefore it's broken. So I need to put something new in there and that's how you fix it. But then the idea of old house people explaining that wood windows are actually way more efficient if you restore them properly. They're way more efficient than vinyl windows. And so being able to get that message out that um, you're actually in the long run going to save money save the character of the house, save the value of the house and be warmer if you just restored what was already there. And I think that message is starting to get out a little bit more, but yeah, I think it's just, I think a lot of it is just education and getting people to understand that because people who don't know anything about old houses, just, they don't grasp that. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay. So we have, uh, any other tidbits of advice before, before we wrap Mm. it up? just do what makes you happy and brings you joy. You know, don't be afraid to, um, you know, our laundry room has wallpaper and a chandelier and, um, it's just, it's our laundry room is just as special as the rest of the house. You know, um, if you have a color that you love, then do it. If you have wallpaper that you love, then do it, you know, make, make the choices in your home that make you happy and that, you know, celebrate the house and, um, you know, understand that, especially in old houses, so much of the architecture was built around um, making the house be efficient. You know, um, the idea of knocking down walls to have open floor plans in old houses makes me, that's one of the things that makes me crazy. Yeah. Um, Because these houses were built in ways that, you know, the sun would, would hit rooms at certain times to allow um, everything to work. And nowadays you don't, have to do that because you have central air and central heat and um, you can do anything with any room whatsoever. But I think if you live in the house for a little bit and understand how it works, you'll realize that um, most of them have been designed really, really well to function great. So just live with it and let it, let it speak to you before you make any massive changes. Right. I agree. I agree. I, 
spend a lot of, I spend a lot of my time complaining about um, or not complaining about, but maybe warning people about open plan. And that is not right. the answer is not just to remove walls a lot of the time. Right. Especially, right. I totally agree. Yeah. Especially in, in a house like yours, it has so many rooms that it would seem like they place, let's say, a breakfast area in a location for a reason or because it got the morning sun, maybe, or whatever it may be. And, and exactly. So, yeah, I agree with that. Allowing yourself to experience the house for for a while before you start removing yeah. walls. Also. I won't get into it again, but just the whole open plan thing is not, um, it's not a great way to live with the other people in the house. I feel like if you, right. have- Oh, I am totally. Yeah. I like having, I like being able to close things off. I like having different rooms for different things. Like I am very much in that aesthetic. Like I, I like being able to, um, you know, just, this is where we go to watch TV and this is where we go to eat. And, um, you know, we, we liked before COVID happened, you know, we, often had dinner parties and just the idea that, you know, you would eat in one room and then go visit. Yeah, exactly. Room. Exactly. I love well, that. Yeah. yeah. You go into the formal dining room and there's a certain mood that you've established in there. And that's yes. for a certain period of the evening. And right. then there's a before and after. Yeah. It's totally great to be able to move around and experience the evening like that in different environments. So yeah. I love that too. And, yeah. And, and just even from a selfishly from a, dec- a decorative or you know, point of view, you know, do if everything was just one big giant room, Mm. you know, then you're, you're stuck sort of with one style and one color and one, I mean, I know that there's ways that you can be creative with that, but I love the idea that each space is just special unto itself. Yeah, definitely. It's not as easy to decorate, um, in different colors and styles in an open plan. Yes. It's just not, I mean, sure there are tricks, but, or you could just keep the walls. Which, <laughs> right. which I always mention. Uh, well, that's really great, Amy. I love your house. Thank and you. thank you for sharing your story and advice and leading this community over on Instagram. Well, we have fun with it. It's just, it's it's been really great. And a lot of people have really found um, other people that can help them with with problems. And, um, and if just there's just a lot of inspiration and it just helps you feel like you're not alone because sometimes yeah. when you're working on a room and you're in the middle and you fi- you found the latest crack in the ceiling or something is rotted through it just it, it helps to know that there are other people doing the crazy things that you're doing mm-hmm. and <laughs> that yeah. everyone's going to get through it and um that's it's just it's really enlightening for me yeah it's great to feel like you're part of a larger community and just to lie there on the couch on a Sunday afternoon looking at pictures of beautiful houses. And that's one of my favorite things to do. So I yes. find that very <laughs> relaxing. Like, wow, look at this house. This is beautiful. You know, it just <laughs> me it speaks to me. So, yeah, I love it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, for your time and for sharing your story. I'm going to include photos of her house in the episode enhancements. And... You can check out TalkingHomeRenovations.com to see if the episode enhancements are there yet. I'm not sure when the website will be ready. I'm hoping by the time this podcast comes out, you will be able to go there and see the feed and the episode enhancements and transcript link to the various episodes that have already come out. 
You could also sign up for my weekly newsletter, which brings all that information directly to your inbox every Wednesday morning. The link is in the show notes. And I hope you sign up because it's, it's kind of a fun way for me to stay in touch with you. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I love to hear from you. So if you have any suggestions, send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. You can get in touch with me on Facebook, kind of, or Instagram, where I'm Talking Home Renovations, either place, or on TikTok, where I'm the House Maven. You can chat with me live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern on TikTok and at 11 a.m. Eastern on Instagram. If you're listening sometime later to this podcast, check my profiles to see what time those are going to be happening. But for now, those are the times, and I'll be answering home renovation questions and taking episode suggestions and just chatting for maybe 20 minutes or half an hour, you know, just to check in. If you like this episode, share with your friends, leave a rating and a review. That would help me, I don't know what, go higher to the top of the charts, which in turn would help me show up in, I guess searches. I don't know. But anyway, supposedly that helps. So if you could do that, that would be great. And this podcast is a member of the Design Network. You can discover exclusive architecture and design podcasts at designnetwork.org. For for now, this episode is produced by my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe that architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.